Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. And with the click of a button, it's on like Donkey Kong. I am so excited for this one. <laughs> I am so excited. Today's guest is an expert in all things content and all things marketing. He is a content marketing thought leader. Now, some people just say that, right? They put it on their Twitter profile and they just say it's true. This guy actually is a thought leader. He's followed by 72,000 plus people, and those people are all thought leaders. So this is not like, you know, someone who picked up a book yesterday. But speaking of books, his book just came out. He's the author of the number one new release, Content Performance Culture. And there's a whole, so many accolades. Top 14 content marketer, top 100 digital marketer, top 40 B2B marketer. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Chief Content and Strategy Officer at the Authentic Storytelling Project. Christoph Trapp, welcome, sir. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You've got a lot going <laughs> on. And all these numbers, they're sources. I'm a journalist by heart, Casey, as you know by training and there is sources when people say how do you know top 14 i'm like here's the link 
<laughs> yeah. It wasn't me. It's not according to my marketing team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I would do. Oh, I'm the number one marketing podcast host in New Hampshire. <laughs> you know uh, what? Some companies do that though. They, do they? They, publish a they publish a list and their CEO is in the top five. <laughs> Oh, that's Talk smart. But, well, are they being humble to make it look more realistic? <laughs> um, it, if people don't know it's the CEO, maybe they can get away with it. I think if right. you know it's the CEO, it's kind of wah, wah. Uh, it's like you know, it's like saying my daughter's saying I'm the number one dad in the world, which we know kids don't say. <laughs> well, mine does, and, but that's only because it's true. So, <laughs> right. well, hey, you're here, and we got you for a, a brief period of time before you turn into a pumpkin. So. I want to, we're going to be talking, it's our marketing leadership series. We're talking content. I want to hear about the book and the kind of things you put into it. It just came out. So this isn't like we're reading some tome of knowledge from the thirties. Like this thing just came out in January. So I want to dive into that and we're going to start the show the way we start every show. This is heavy. So here you go. Okay, here you go. Stores hammer. Go ahead. Take that. <laughs> take that. And there got you got. Oh, hey, you're holding on to it. That's with, great. With one hand. <laughs> yeah. One handed, one hand backhand. Take that and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception, and set the record straight. The, the biggest thing I see out there, Casey, is people think content is the silver bullet. Um, and they tried one time. Oh, let's publish one article. Did it work? Did we just make $8 million of this one article? No, I don't even have <laughs> to see the article. Uh, it, content is a long-term strategy, right? Uh, and I know everybody wants results today and everybody wants to have the numbers today, um, but you don't build a content kingdom or even a thought leadership uh, profile by publishing a couple of things. You have to keep going and going and going, and you have to adjust what's working and what's not working. You know, are you using the right uh, terminology? Are you using, um, are you actually answering questions for people? And also, right. are you, you know, are you actually, do you know what you're talking about? And, and the biggest problem up there in content for brands today still is, everybody is talking about how they're state of the art, how they're number one. And then I always say when somebody says that to me, oh, awesome. How, how do you know according to who? And, yeah. you know, people, people uh, according to my marketing team, that doesn't <laughs> count. You have, to, uh, you have to be real with people. You can't just tell everybody how awesome you are. Um, right. You have to have other people tell people how awesome you are. And you have to show it, right? Be real, um, share knowledge, um, be helpful. And then the next thing is you have to do it on all these different channels. And especially uh, I'm currently on the podcast bandwagon i'm currently on the immersive video bandwagon cool. i think they're fantastic i got like i don't know 40 pages on both on, on the topics together in the, in the book and um you know use those new tools use them to get out there and what i love about podcasting is just the thing you hear me or you see me if you're watching on youtube and you we, we you see people see you and hear you and they can make their own opinions. It's not watered down, right? Mm, like this is right. who we are. This is how we sound. We're not saying we're state of the art. We're the industry leaders. You know, we're either they like us or they don't. Um, and when you have only the written word, which used to be traditional content marketing only, if you think about it, um, it's watered down, right? Everything is run through approval hell. And if it doesn't work after one time, people give up. Um, so I there you go. Yeah, Boom. smash. I mean, there's so many things to talk about with this. So that the <laughs> last part, the watered down, I, 
I hear you. I know we were chatting before we got started about, you know, my book's out, your book's out. Yeah. And we're going to learn more about what's, you know, what's in your book. But the idea of going through the editing process, there are so many people along the way, um, you know, especially the editors who maybe don't know marketing or who is Casey, <laughs> that would try to rewrite things. And I was really concerned about losing the voice and, and losing that, like Casey's fun and silly, like smashing things with hammers, but I didn't want to lose that in the text. And I can easily see what you mean. If you have this white paper, I mean, even the word white paper, it sounds so, ugh. but it goes through all these Formal. rounds of revision. You could lose that and be boring. You can. And so I have a whole chapter on editing for preference and what kind of waste of time it is. Oh, um, and, wow. and this is what editors do. You know what I mean? They talk about, Oh, I don't like the term except, you know, um, or, or um, whatever it was or impact. Um, so they need to, like, don't pick on words just because you don't like them, you know, um, pick on things that actually make a difference. So, for example, my editor, so I use a lot of, of course, or um, so, right? There was another one I used that I don't remember now. Maybe that means I got rid of it. Um, <laughs> and literally, I, I cut hundreds of them out of the book, right? Right. And, um, and you don't need them. So that is not just um, editing for preference. That is actually... Uh, a good editing strategy, right? So right. if of course, if it was always of course or obviously is another one, of course. Um, if I if I would would need them, why am I writing about it? If it's of course, if it's obvious, right? So That's some of those point. things make sense, uh, but I see way too many people they nitpick at the wrong things, they slow things down. Um, they're just trying to pull, you know, their editing power struggle. And I actually had editors tell me. Right, that oh, I, I'm editing because I'm trying to add value. I'm justifying my job, um, uh, but do you know what I mean? Like, what right. a waste of time. Yeah, justify it some other way. So, right, make it better. Than, <laughs> yeah, watering down that content, and, and then the in this day and age when people are, you know, struggling with authenticity and yeah. are the real people behind the marketing team, the emails. It's like to make it seem so corporate, you know. To, to reduce some of that stuff just makes it, I don't know, not as effective. I mean, to your point with this, like the podcasting, I'd love to hear your, your take on that, but we have missed the more of myth to smash here, but the idea of podcasts, <laughs> they're so unscripted and we're saying all the so's and the yeah, obviously you hear that. It's like a real conversation. That's how you got to do it. Be, be yeah. conversational, share knowledge, you know, don't be a jerk. Um, you know, really quickly on editors, here's what editors yeah. can truly do to make content better. And so I'll give an example. I just published a podcast with Eric Fishgrind of uh, Fish, Fish Tank Marketing and PR in um, New York City. And he talked about people have to share their own stories, get to it, right? And I mean, that's like, I could have done that myself, but I'm glad to have a partner in crime on that topic. So now I'm going to do a blog post on the topic. And you know what? All the terms that I searched for that I want to write about, nobody searches for them. Nobody uh, searches for in-house yeah. content creation, all those different things. So an editor, you know, could say to me, hey, you, you missed the mark. You used the wrong keyword. You know what people do search for? Content creation. There was something else related with content, content creation that, oh, no, brand stories. I think I will try to target brand stories, which we didn't even mention the podcast. Like, that was not even what we used in the podcast. But, and that's okay to an extent, right? It could have helped the podcast rank higher too because podcasts, I don't know if you know, saw that, podcasts are now starting to show up in search. So when people say, 
uh, podcasting doesn't help with search. Social media doesn't help with search. Totally bogus. They all help with search um, a little differently. So for example, if you search for content performance culture, my book is number one. There's something else, HubSpot or somebody. And then my podcast is right there. The wow. Content Performance Culture Podcast. Um, so they certainly show up, right? So if somebody doesn't want to buy the book, but they want to listen to a podcast, they can. Um, but my point is an editor, instead of just nitpicking some stupid word that, that makes no difference, nitpick the words when I pick the wrong one. Because here's the thing. There was one article I saw in one of the stories. The New York Times was ranking number one for a search that, for a term with zero searches. <laughs> who, who, who cares right <laughs> right so so i picked a better term and that's i think that's the new what we're in editors didn't have to deal with that 10 years ago right 20 years right. ago right huh huh there's so much magic to unlock here uh, yeah let me take you back to when you were smashing the myth at the very beginning um talking about that long-term strategy and that so many people try something once and what do you see a lot? Do they, they create one white paper and they expect the white paper to instantly create leads that didn't exist before? What, what kind of things are you seeing? Yeah, all those different things. Or they, they send something out on email once or they try a webinar once or they, uh, you know, everything is like, oh, we do it a couple of times or let's blog and try to get to rank for things. And, you know, here's the thing. You can rank really quickly for some terms yeah. Um, if you're hitting them at the right time, but also sometimes it takes time. And then to make it more complicated, if you pick the wrong terms in your, in your, in your content, you're not going to rank at all, right? right? Because nobody yeah. is searching for it. So, uh, so people are not approaching it strategically like that. Um, I think some companies have too much pressure on immediate returns. Is that working today? Um, no, it, it didn't. I mean, it, it worked, but it's one piece of what you're trying to do. And, you know, I, I still remember Content Marketing World 2018, Robert Rose was oh, yeah. uh, we were doing the publishing lab together, you know, and he said, you guys have to remember, content marketing is a campaign that builds on top of each other, right? So for, I'll give you an example. So the book, it's like 220 pages, right? It looks like a textbook if you're yeah, looking on huge on video. And and right, it's huge. It's like two and a half pounds or something. So don't sit and uh, don't sit in your favorite chair, cuddle up with it. Uh, sit at the table. <laughs> hey, as, <laughs> long as, as long but, as Amazon Prime can send it to me, I'm good. <laughs> they they can. Um, but my point is, all the content in there, I'm repurposing nonstop. Right? It they it was blog posts first, then social updates, and some of it is podcasts. Some of it is presentations, some of it is workshops, some of it is keynotes. I mean, you, even like, I'm, you know, I got like six conferences booked this year and you can't actually, you know, do a workshop for the whole book because you that would be like a week or two weeks of stuff. So you pick different pieces. Right. And so build on what you have, throw the content at a rate. Um, and that's, that fits in there as well, Casey, because what people do is they create all this unique content for one channel and then that channel tanks and, and they don't mm. reuse it on LinkedIn or they don't reuse it on the blog or they don't reuse it as a white paper and just throw the content a parade um, and keep pushing. I like that. Throw it a parade. Makes sense. And, and also not putting all your eggs in one basket. 
you know, having the number one blog on MySpace wouldn't pay off right about now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, to have it on different channels and platforms. So even if, yeah. you know, I'm all about podcasting, make sure you get that content, you know, very easily off of there onto social and blogs and, and books and yep. all sorts of collateral. Huh. Well, you know, as you're mentioning that, I, I had this, this phrase in mind uh, in our team. Uh, Brian likes to have this phrase called devil's advocate and uh, throw it out there. Maybe that's one of the ones like so and obviously that would get eradicated by a, a, an editor. But um, the, the, the sort of point I'd love to bring up is if it's the long game, but you, you need to invest in it, like how do you know if it's working or not? How do you know you're going the right direction or not? How do you know to even adjust or not if it's not supposed to pay off until, you know, 2025? Well, first of all, it's not blindly investing, right? I mean, you do want to have a strategy. You want to have results. You want to look at things. But what I'm saying is you start at zero, right? So, uh, so you're not going to have a million people reading your stuff. You might have 500, and that's actually a pretty good start. Um, if you don't promote your content, you're not going to have a hundred even sometimes, right? right? Because it's brand new and you're still kind of learning how to produce the content. Um, so look for, is it going up? Is it improving? Is it, um, does it make sense? What's the current goal? I was talking to somebody the other day, Casey, who said, oh, the goal is we're currently at 3000 um, organic visits per month. So we want to double that. And I'm, I'm thinking, I love the thinking that you have a goal, but you're not paying any attention to anything that's happening because a lot of sites currently, their search traffic has actually, you know, gone in half. Mm. A lot of sites have lost their search traffic because of the recent update without any wrongdoing. It's just what happened, right? Because they're ranking right. high. Now they got the snippet. People don't click on it anymore. Now they don't have the two listings, whatever it might be. And I've seen a drop too. So I shouldn't say, oh my God, you know, last year I had 3,000 or, you know, the other, this company, and now I'm going for 6,000 when they just dropped to 1,500. So if that goal is still the same goal, you know, go for 3,000 again. So, so people need to remember that, that things change and those things are out of our control. And I'll give you another example. I did a campaign with a, a London company and we had a video we used and I used it on all my channels. Um, and the video. And so guess what channel it performed best on? Facebook. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. By far. It was wow. like, I would, I would almost say it went viral. And I don't know why it did. Neither do they. And, you know, I've never seen numbers go up that high again. So I don't know if it was, that it was just like LinkedIn was pushing video at the time. We right. hit them on the right day. Um, you know, but keep that in mind. That how many, how many views did it get? I don't remember. I knew you'd ask me as soon as I Billions, said that. Billions, right? Uh, Just make up a it number. Was not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a journalist. We don't make up numbers. But it was a, it was a pretty good number. Wow. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind is that you, uh, the numbers are relevant to your audience. So, for example, my favorite example is Ben Smith. Um, he was on my, my podcast, the Business Storytelling Podcast. And he launched Old Time Central. And old time central is people playing the fiddle and, and do you play the fiddle, Casey, by any chance? No, I, I, I'm trying to one day join an Irish band with the, the, the whistle, the pipe whistle thing. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, think that, I think that might be part of it too. But so I asked Ben. So Ben is doing a fantastic job engaging that community online and they don't really have much online currently. 
And I said to him, Ben, how many people are reasonably in this community? So I'm not like, I don't pay, play the fiddle. I don't listen right. to it. I don't think it's yeah, a yeah. listening to kind of thing. Anyways, you play it right. Or you right. to events. And he said, my best estimate is probably 50,000 huh. worldwide. So guess what? So, so Ben should not have a goal of having 2 million readers. Right. <laughs> right. You know, maybe 150,000 because you have some people who kind of who are not officially in the area but they kind of care here and there um you have some irrelevant traffic you know what i mean like other people are um are looking uh, are looking yeah. at it but they're not necessarily interested they just end up there by mistake um, you have people like me who check out the site so maybe 150,000 if you want to push it but definitely not millions so you have to be aware how big is your audience like Mm-hmm. And don't set some goal just because you see Casey Neistat or, you know, the daily dropout having 8 million views for every video or more. The other um, Casey. That's not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not, that shouldn't be a goal. Yeah. Yeah. That guy looks cool in those glasses, man. I got the same glasses, but I don't, I don't want to cut them up like he does. Cause then I'll be like, I'll be the exact same Casey. Um, and you, and you know why he wears them, right? Uh, no. Why? Why does he wear them? So, so he wears them because when you, so we're both looking at our computers, right? And when yeah. you look at your computer, you look at yourself, which is never where the camera is. So to look at the camera, you actually have to look off screen. So I'm looking at Casey, I'm looking at you right now, right? So uh, it looks like I'm looking off screen, it, but the camera is actually right there, uh, right? So he wears them so he can look at himself instead of having to remember to look at the camera. And no now kidding. you can't see his eyes that he actually did a whole video on it. <laughs> Wow. No kidding. You know, I, I, he, he's a, he's a great for people who haven't checked this out. Casey Neistat on uh, YouTube, brilliant guy. And his very first claim to fame was that he made this bike video where he got a ticket for biking, not in the bike lane yes. and in New York city. And he was like, do you know how, how, you know, challenging it is to do that. So he made a video where no matter what was in the bike lane, he drove in the bike lane and he crashed something like 30 times. In the very final scene, he crashes into a police car that's in the bike lane. Um, and that thing right. was like millions of billions of views. Uh, brilliant guy. Right. YouTuber. Absolutely. And I think the city actually, I don't know if they came back and gave him the ticket, the money back. Maybe not. Maybe that's a different story, but it was like a $50 ticket. Right. I'm sure he made it up with YouTube views <laughs> and sponsorships. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I know I, one of the other things he did was uh, some brand. So yeah, it's funny. I don't remember the brand, um, like a Nike or something, paid him a lot of money to make a commercial. And, he, and instead of making a commercial, he just put the shoes on, took the money, and went on this, like, two-week adventure in all these different countries filming crazy things. And uh, cooler, cooler ad than what you'd normally get from, you know, a studio. So. Brilliant. Yeah, he 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 makes fun videos for sure. So to go but, back, but he on should that, not be. What? He should not be your goal. <laughs> right, right. He should not be your goal. <laughs> <laughs> Different kind of Casey, right there. Um, yeah. And he runs all all the time too. That's a good inspiration. But you know, to go back to that earlier question, so it's the long game, but you should you should be looking at. I mean, I, I heard views. So is your audience increasing? And then it are, is it yeah. increasing relative to the space you can actually take over? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, also you have to continuously fiddle with what you're doing. And so if you look at my LinkedIn, for example, so as you know, I take clients, I take project work, right? I take yeah. 
like I speak, I, you know, yeah. whatever, all those different things. And so people always complain about LinkedIn. Like people always say, oh, everybody sends me a cold message on LinkedIn. Yeah, you may have seen true, my post true. recently. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys need to knock off the complaining. So here's the reality. And I, I really should write this down so I can give you an exact number. But I'm estimating that 80% of LinkedIn requests that I get from people I don't know already, I turn into business. No. Or they become business for me. Yes. So I do get some. I do get some people who are obviously trying to sell me something, but I immediately tell them, I'm not in the market to buy anything. However, your brand looks kind of interesting. If you want to partner, happy to discuss it. Right. And um, sometimes they pass it along. Sometimes they're just the salesperson on the run, mm -hmm. right? And they don't have time to talk to you because you're not a prospect. Um, but like even yesterday, I probably got uh, three messages yesterday where people wanted to work with me. Right. And, and even one person I got on the phone call with and, you know, I said, oh, I have time. He was on the West Coast. I'm in, on the central time zone. So I said, oh, I actually have time later in the day still. Right. So it's earlier in the day for him. And he even said, oh, sorry for the cold message. I know people hate cold messages. And I'm like, no worries. You want to hire me for a project. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So, so, so the point is, I don't I can't tell you exactly what I did. But I certainly have, I certainly try to optimize my LinkedIn, that people know I'm available for certain things, that mm. I show up for certain keywords, right? Um, and I get very few, very rarely do I get irrelevant um, 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 messages where they reach out and I'm like, that's not what I do at all. So I'm not saying everybody who gets cold messages is doing anything wrong. Don't misquote me, guys. Don't throw your <laughs> tomatoes at me in snowy Iowa, it's actually snowing out outside. So good luck getting to my house anyways. Right. But, um, <laughs> but consider it, maybe you need to update your LinkedIn. Maybe you need to make sure people understand who you are. You know, Casey, if you get a lot of, if you get a lot of, uh, of sales pitches, I don't, I, I can't pull up your profile, but if it says CEO, maybe the CEO is the problem, right? Yeah. Maybe change it to something that can help you draw in business instead of saying you're the CEO. Right. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I my mind says, uh, well, my headline is something totally different, but my uh, my position is listed as chief content office, chief content and strategy officer. Right. So, again, I'm setting myself up to rank for chief content, chief strategy you know, not CEO or something like that. Right. Right. You know, for the longest time, I was the chief awesome officer and I got no spam. <laughs> Because people didn't know what it was. <laughs> right. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, what, who's this weirdo? <laughs> um, yeah. Great reminder, though, to update your LinkedIn profile. I think even my own, I made a note for myself to update that. I think, you know, when you write that executive paragraph at the top to describe yourself, um, yep. you know, how often do we go back and look at that and make it more relevant for search and for people viewing it you know i think mine was probably still dated back to when i was applying for marketing manager jobs so i could see how maybe i get right. some spam that way too yeah always go back and the, and the problem is too with linkedin linkedin wants you to put your latest uh role up in the headline yeah because when you update your title your, your job it says oh you want to update your headline and don't do that put something more um that's easier to find right so i got content marketing in there i got digital marketing b2b marketing author uh, which is that that doesn't really help with search but that helps with when you look at it and you go oh my god number one book 
right. um, that still carries a little bit of um, cachet, obviously. A little weight there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'd yep. love to ask you about channels. Um, the, you mentioned the different channels. We definitely don't want to put all of our chips in one basket. Um, what channels are out there that are growing, that are exciting? Which ones do you recommend we all play on? That type of thing. Uh, definitely, I still would recommend to put the website at the centerpiece. So I got authenticstorytelling.net. Everything I do goes on there one way or, or another. Um, but you want to make sure you have a website where you have all your content pieces. Uh, I'm still a big fan of Twitter. In fact, I'm seeing my numbers go up again, which is, you know, they went down over the years and now they went back up. <coughs> so um, that's still a relevant channel. I love and hate relation with Facebook. Uh, organic reach keeps going down. Um, there's 7 million advertisers on Facebook. I know they all don't try to reach the same people I'm trying to reach, but that's a lot of competition. Yeah. Um, so I really try not to put too many basket, too many eggs into that basket. Um, I push all my content to Facebook automatically. So I'm not, uh, you know, if you look at my page, it still looks like I'm alive, but I'm not spending a lot of time on it. Um, LinkedIn for sure also works, especially the latest strategy I've seen work on LinkedIn is you have a little teaser text at the top and you got those, downward um, pointer fingers, you know, yeah. and people have to click. That seems yeah. to happen. Uh, that seems to work. I did that yesterday with a couple posts and they had uh, probably like five times as many views as the average post. Mm. Uh, it's a little bit of clickbait, you know, if, if it's not relevant uh, when people click, but certainly um, that's a strategy that works. Podcasting, definitely would recommend it. It is so easy to do today. I know we're recording on Zoom here. I know you have the audio, the audio and video portion. I think that's fantastic. Um, I'm not even that advanced technologically when I record my podcast. I use the mm -hmm. Anchor app and yeah. everything I do directly in Anchor. I mean, I, so I send you a link, we record in there. Um, I, you know, even the, everything is recorded. The second you're on, you're recording. So you do a little chit chat, you trim in the app, mm -hmm. upload it, you put an opening with some music. I mean, like I was on a chat yesterday and somebody says, oh, you need music with the opening. And then somebody goes, you have to be so careful what you use. And I'm like, Anchor gives you free music. Yeah. Like don't make it more difficult than you need, need it right. to be. Um, and then it distributes to all the different channels automatically, right? Um, the other thing I really like is I, I do like video. Video is so much harder than audio, in my opinion, just mm -hmm. because it takes forever. Uh, I'm doing a, a summit here um, in February. I did like a 40-minute session. I recorded it, and I swore it took um, eight hours to upload from my I iPad. So I couldn't use the iPad for anything else that day, right, because it was just yeah. moving. Um, live audio on Twitter such an underused tool. Um, <clears throat> I don't usually do podcasts with guests, also live. Sometimes that's harder because you really need two devices, right? You need another right. device that, mm -hmm. that both people use. But at the end of the day, live audio, I mean, there's, there were shows, I mean, it's just me talking for 20 yeah. minutes. Like my website was hacked, right? And um, mm. so I just talked about that for 20 minutes, how I got out of that mess and what I did now and blah, blah, blah has like, you know, 500 listeners and uh, wow. I, th that's, that's pretty good. Right. Yeah. And so live audio um, and, and a lot of people don't do it. A lot of people don't even know you can do it. So basically the way you do it is you just install Periscope, tie your Twitter account, you go on the Twitter app, you click go live and you turn an audio only. And there you go. It works. Um, I think those are the main ones. Uh, if you have budget, I certainly would consider 
putting some money behind distribution. Um, I try to be somewhat frugal about that. Every once in a while, I do a little bit more than other times, but um, you know, it, it depends on what it is. I'll give you an example. My book, I spent 50 bucks on Twitter, but then I also had an organic outreach campaign mm. and the organic outreach campaign, first of all, sold more books, but second of all, also created a lot more buzz. So I'm like, did I really have to spend those $50? <laughs> probably didn't, right? right. It probably didn't, uh, wasn't worth it. So you, you gotta have to weigh, of course I paid in my time, right? Because yeah. I'm responding to people and you know, I'm shipping books because they want them signed, mm -hmm. even though that's easier than ever too now, yeah. um, you know, but yeah. So I think those are the channels I, I would recommend. Have the website at the centerpiece though, and then create ones published everywhere for sure. What was the, uh, the <clears throat> organic Twitter you were talking about? Just outreach? So what I did is, so I tweeted the, the link, uh, the, the, my, my pinned tweet, right, talks about the new book, mm -hmm. getting content from happening to content performing. And then I, I had like a little pre-written thing I sent to a bunch of people saying, hey, my new book is out. I hope you check it out. Um, <clears throat> and uh, RT retweets are appreciated. If, if you're in the U.S., I'm also happy to send a signed version. Here's how you pay for it, right? PayPal.me mm -hmm. forward slash Ctrap forward slash 15 only in the US because uh, shipping outside the US is just it's a ridiculous. mess. Yeah. <clears throat> it's ridiculous. Um, and so a lot of people retweeted it. Some people ordered the book from that group, right? And then some people from the group that they reached ordered it. And then some people from the next group ordered it. Wow. So, so there was, yeah, the, the, the organic outreach had, was like twice or three times as, as much as the paid one. Right. Um, the, you know, it's a fine line. I mean, there were some people like you know they were like why would i help you like, <laughs> you know i you know so salty like, <laughs> I'm like you don't have to and you don't have to even respond bye um, <laughs> but and i get it like i had yeah talked to them we're following each other you know but we haven't said anything there was one person apparently i blocked their personal account but not their business account they're like why would i help you you blocked me i'm like i don't even know why like I don't even know what your account is, honestly. Yeah. What did you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So you didn't do the thing where you tell all your friends on Facebook that if they don't buy your book, you're going to unfriend them? You didn't try that one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. No, yeah, I, I didn't either, but I thought about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're my friend, well, the huh? Pro the, <laughs> the, problem is, the problem is you, you won't know. Right. If they buy it on Amazon, you don't know oh, who bought have, it. They have to post a picture of the receipt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. How much is this friendship worth to you people? <laughs> Fourteen ninety nine. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> and I'll leave you alone at that. No more fundraising after that. Um, okay. That's that's a great list there. The podcasting using Anchor. I think sometimes with the podcasting, people can overthink it. Mm -hmm. or underthink it and to your point just yeah. not execute on any of that and it doesn't take you don't need to be a producer in hollywood to do it just talk i mean as long as you know the area just talk right and 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 you can i just watched the um some footage from a trial this morning on, on, oh. on tv and you know in court it's like answer the question and shut up yeah <laughs> right and sometimes i there was one case, the, the witness, which was actually Robert Kraft from the Patriots. Sure. He started with like the wrong, he started with like the wrong words. Um, 
and the the prosecutor immediately goes objection and the judge is like um sustained because you're not on the right track or something wow on a pot i know right on a podcast you can just talk like in fact like i don't want to say we want we need to fill time if we have nothing else to say right but every once in a while i have a guest you know and you say um why are you interested in content marketing and they say um because i like it and um i'm really good at writing uh done <laughs> do you know and like i'm like anything else yeah no. <laughs> better attorney than podcaster right there <laughs> right oh, man uh you sure is there anything else about that you know is this going to be a five minute episode <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I i find that um you know authors for sure have something to say because they yeah. stared at it for a year or more years to mm-hmm. put it down on paper so there's a few things to say and um yeah yeah you, uh, different people you would never even know and even the title doesn't necessarily tie into how much they're going to talk or not right <laughs> like, but it's oh, okay to talk just be you right. and just, just talk be you um don't say anything confidential exactly you know i i even i remember recording i did a an ad for one of our sponsors on this show qualified as a, as a chat app and um and I remember writing it out and then trying to do it more off the cuff so it was more natural. But that yeah. was harder because I was trying to say something in particular in a short period of time, in a minute or less. And that was just so much harder to get the point across because you're, you know, you're, you're condensing it so much versus a podcast where you can have a conversation and maybe extract things you never even thought you'd get. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Well, hey, I don't have anything else to add. Oh, you have nothing to add. I was gonna say are you, are you're trying to demonstrate that that total that same thing. That's fine. I, I like a little constructive silence. Yeah. All right. White so, space so, is okay. So you know, <laughs> I know you. Know, dead space. Oh no! Quick, start talking. Um, <laughs> you know, when when it comes to these sources or or ones down the other, any ones coming down the line that you're seeing um, that maybe haven't been adopted yet or um, you're kind of like intrigued by or excited by in the future any sources what do you mean channels sources any kind of strategy oh. what are you seeing in the future that maybe we hasn't hit us yet but it's kind of intriguing you right now yeah i yeah I, virtual reality video for sure i think that's going to take off more and more that's i kind of hinted at that earlier immersive video easier and easier to produce honestly um you can now buy a camera you put on your phone and you can walk around with the phone, go live, and you're shooting live 360 wow. video, VR video. Um, you can also put it on your phone, put the phone on a tripod and in the room, right? Walk away, and then you record voiceover later. Um, super easy to do. A lot of people don't have the headset yet. I have a headset. It's do sitting you? upstairs, and uh, don't use it ever, right, for anything. <laughs> um, I was so going to ask you which one and get it, early. but you don't use it yet. Like 14, it was like a the one I have is a $14 one. And then somebody actually sent me one at some point, which broke because it was sitting in, on the, on the couch. And then one of the kids sat down on it. Ah, um, so happens, but uh, you know, so a little early on that front, but I just saw one of those YouTubers, um, they go around, they prank people, right? I don't know who mm-hmm. it was daily dropout or something. And they actually walked up to somebody who was sitting in a park with a headset on you know, like watching something. I don't know what they were watching, but they had a headset on. So I bet you that's going to become a thing um, where more and more people do that, where they actually have a headset with them. 
um, where they use them more. But even if you don't have a headset, you can still go around the screen. You can still look around, right? Scroll around. It's not quite as immersive, but certainly it's possible. But uh, would definitely try that. You can implement it on most of the platforms. YouTube, of course, is a front runner in distrib distributing that content. I mean, YouTube is so awesome. Um, when you look, when you watch on the wrong platform, it'll say, this is like, remember the days uh, when, when the websites would say, are you on a mobile device? If <laughs> yes, click here and you right. can go to the M dot, whatever. Right. So today it's automatic, right? It's like, that's the phase immersive video is in because if you're on the wrong browser, YouTube will say, um, click here to watch the better optimized version. Yeah, I'm sure they send you to Chrome VR. too. <laughs> I think that's actually they send you to the YouTube app. That's the oh, best wow. place okay. to, cur to currently watch it. Yeah. Okay. Um, definitely those. Uh, I still think, uh, you know, every, every brand is talking about how do we do TikTok? Do we do TikTok? And the best answer I've still heard is run ads on TikTok if you want to reach the, an audience. Why do you have to do your own channel if you have nothing that's visual or fun to do, right? There's some doctors I've seen on TikTok who share fun videos, educational videos, right? Okay. So they're, they're kind of doing it. Um, but why does it always have to be organic? Just right. run some ads, see if right. it's working. Um, there, I don't know if you saw that Byte has come out, which is a new short, short form um, video platform, uh, like Vine kind of. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know why we need it. I downloaded it. So they, they said they had one point some million downloads. So I downloaded it and I couldn't, like, I couldn't get it to work. I actually tried oh, to geez. upload something, didn't work. And so I deleted it. So I still count as the download, right? Yeah, because you do. nobody tracks, <laughs> right? So, okay, you have a lot of downloads, but how many are active users? Right. So like um, three. I don't know if that's going <laughs> to, I don't know, but I don't know if that's going to take off. Uh, I mean, it's another video platform. You can do video on pretty much everything now. Right. Um, the live audio you can only do on Twitter and Periscope, as far as I can tell. Mm. Um, there's others, you know, like you can do like a radio talk thing. Um, but of the main players, that seems to be the only one that's currently doable. Yeah, there seems to be a thing. Even the other day, I was going to create a Facebook group for this little community I was joining. I'm like, hey, let's, yeah. let's all stay in touch with a little Facebook page or, you know, group that we can all chat in. They're like, oh, well, there's a special app that uh, we, we're going to all download and use. And it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to download your, your, your new app to do what Facebook yep. had already do for me. Like, it's not going to work. Like, right. No one's going to go to this site. I see that there's a, like a neighborhood app. I don't remember what it's called, but it, people add each yeah. other in the neighborhood. You know that one? Yeah, I don't remember the name. Neighborly yeah, or something. Right? Neither, none of us do. But like I was on it and it – and it was quiet, and I guess that's good for my neighborhood. <laughs> but you know, it's like I, it's not in my my cycle. I'm not not hitting that. So if I can avoid another app, great. But uh, but well, you, and the and, go ahead. and the and the other thing with that app is, I mean, I'm connected with all my immediate neighbors on Facebook. Like yeah. even this morning, you know. So my wife is a teacher. There's a snow day today. Everybody's home. Same here. Um, because it's like minus minus 18 degrees, right? Jeez. And so I messaged the neighbors. I said, "Hey, if your daughter wants to come over, play with them. They can." Uh, didn't think about it early enough, right? Because I was doing other things. But um, but I don't need another app. I just use Facebook Messenger, right? Right. Right. And if you're a neighbor four streets over, I probably don't want you connected to me on Facebook, anyways. And I don't right. really care, you know. So. 
right. I don't know. Right. Uh, another platform, another day. You know, yeah. question, you know, the, the book, I know it's, it's out, you know, why, why write it? And you mentioned already, you know, content happening to content performing, you know, what, what kind of drove you to write that thing? And, and what should people, you know, should people check it out and where's it at? Yeah. So Joe Polizzi, uh, a great mentor to me, Content Marketing Institute founder, currently he wrote his latest, uh, he wrote a, a mystery now, oh. um, and he put that on a podcast, right? It's being released on a podcast. Wow. So, uh, so I stole that idea, of course. My book is available as a podcast as well. You can listen to like, I think it's like five hours of content, um, basically, wow. which, is, which is longer than I think that it takes to read. I think it takes like four hours to read if you read it in one sitting, right. which again, it's not a novel, probably wouldn't recommend that. But um, so he says, you know, every two to three years, he writes a new book. And, you know, I was like, well, that's kind of a good time period. I wonder where I am. And I'm, I was right at that um, juncture to hit, to hit another one, um, you know, every two to three years. And I thought, what should I write about? What are people interested in? What have I heard since the last um, book came out? So first book really is about authentic storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh, sold pretty well. Um, Best-selling one so far of the three, um, probably because it's really on brand. Um, little idealistic. I read it again the other day, you know, but that's <laughs> six, six years ago. And then, you know, about three years ago, Kate, Kelsey Getcher and I, we wrote a book about how to be customer focused. Didn't sell quite as well. I think it's because people don't see me as a customer um, user experience kind of guy, you sure. know. And so I think that's why that didn't take off quite as well. But um, so then we wrote that. And then, you know, last year um, I said, okay, what have I heard? What's the topic? Okay, content performance maybe. Do I have enough content? Um, to even do that. So all my books are block to book strategy, which even if you ask Joe, Joe said that on my podcast, he says, you know, if you're writing a business book, block to book is really the way to do it because you're 80% of the way there already or 70% or whatever. Um, and then you have to just update um, transitions. You have to update references. Sometimes yeah. you have outdated stuff in there. Um, so you, you know, some blog posts, they, they get into this stuff. They, they have an outro or whatever mm -hmm. uh, conclusion, I guess, in the writing sense. And so you don't need all that, right? When you have it as chapters. Um, and certainly I had enough content. So it's like 45,000 words. Uh, what's kind of funny about that is um, I, I actually, I don't have the marked up copy, but I edited it on paper when I was flying around, you know, wow. um, which it's, I, I would recommend it from an editing perspective, but editing on paper sucks because you still have to make all the changes on the actual mm -hmm. document, right? Mm -hmm. So Sometimes I couldn't read my handwriting or whatever. And so then, um, let's see, where was I going with that? So I edited it and, oh, so it was like at 42,000 words. And I thought I edited a bunch of stuff out. And by the time I was done, I was at 45,000 words. And I was like, where did these extra 3,000 words yeah. come from? <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I just added stuff. There was something else. Um, I edit people from the podcast. Like if somebody said something on, on the podcast that was relevant, I would now quote them, right? I yeah, would say, as so-and-so totally. said, um, whatever. And yeah, and then I just put it together. And um, the design, so yes, hire designers for design work. Yes, mm -hmm. you need specialists. But I designed this cover myself. So I had design yeah. friends tell me, they said, how come, oh, that, your cover looks really great. Who designed that? And I said, I did. They go, you're kidding. And um, so there's tools out there today that allow you to do some things, right, right. relatively easy. 
and so I did that, uh, and then I recorded the podcast and, and uh, published it. So it's it's available as the Kindle paperback worldwide, um, and then there's an Alexa skill, and then there's the podcast. <clears throat> wow! And 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 no Audible. Instead of Audible, you did a is it like a separate serial type podcast. <clears throat> It is. So somebody asked me about that, actually. And they said, so when you, if, if you're going to put out an audible, will you take down the podcast? So here's the thing, the podcast. So I started just reading it like a narrator, right? Mm -hmm. Coming to you this summer, the best movie, right? Blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. that, right? That voice. I don't know if I did a good impression. No, it was good. Yeah. Smile <laughs> at me like I did. <laughs> so but anyway, I didn't, I didn't love it. I hated it, actually, mm -hmm. like the way I sounded when I was reading it. So I said, you know, for the podcast, I will just take each chapter and talk about the topic. And so actually somebody mentioned this on a podcast earlier this week. And they said, you know, um, I love the podcast because you don't just talk about the chapter, but you talk about the chapter in your current thinking. So some chapters I wrote, you know, a year ago. And then there's something new, which isn't even in the book, wow. but because I'm talking about it, I'm mentioning it today, right? Yeah. And so there's some things, like, they're not even in the book, and I'm like, I should really add them to the book. And I think what I'll do, Andy Crestadina is doing this really well. He has the content something, content book on something. And I, don't, I think he's only written one book, but every year he updates it, and then he puts in the headline, 2020. I just saw that. Oh, day. brilliant. I saw Andy's book, and it says, 2020 like so every year he updates it i was like why do i have to write a new book just update this one every year right and say 2021 version the latest and it's updated um <clears throat> so um i might do that when the time comes yep. yeah it, is it the content chemistry one yeah that's the one just 2020 2020 right 2019 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. latest so edition every year he has a new version. Yeah. fourth edition <laughs> yeah i know that's right? brilliant why not that's brilliant. I, I know Adam Clark does one with SEO, SEO 2020 SEO. It's almost like the Madden football games and FIFA and all that on, on PlayStation. Yeah. You could play, you know, 10 years ago, NFL, but you want the latest team. So you got to buy this year. It's right. like, you know, yeah. and the next year and the next year and the next year. Yep. Um, yeah. Or just pick the right year where your team is stacked and just play that the whole <laughs> way through and never change. Um, yeah, man. I, Interesting. Have you seen the stats for the book? Um, the book. Do you actually read the book on that podcast, or do you? No. So you no, I don't. It? So I just say, okay. here's the topic, and then I talk about the topic. Um, I do usually have the book in front of me, or at least like the outline, so I talk about the same things. Yeah. Um, and that's how that happens, right? So if I if I talk about, uh, let's see, there's a chapter on live audio, and if I've done something else on live audio that has happened since the book published. Right, I might just add it into the show. I don't need to hide it from people, um, and so they get a little bonus content. And I'm still recording. I, I'm looking at the list here. Yeah. Um, I actually have to grab it. It's over here. Um, so there is 25 chapters, and I just recorded uh, 21. Um, I think yesterday or two days ago, maybe yesterday. And so chapter 22 publishes um, in March, March 9th. So I should be all done end of March, but I still have one, two, three, four chapters to record. So they're not even done yet. <laughs> right. Wow. Wow. But I like you thinking out of the box too. It's not, you know, that your, your grandfather's content marketing. Right. <laughs> you're, you're evolving and yeah, adapting yeah. with time. 
it's it's the way you have to do it, right? Learn new things. And I know some people, uh, I saw a tweet yesterday from somebody that said, oh, back in the day, we didn't have content creators, we had writers. And I grew up as a writer too, you know, but mm-hmm. but you got to like, and then somebody else, the CEO asked me, well, you're always, you're about change. Like everything has to change. And I'm like, why is that about me? That's not about me. That's the world we're in, right? Yeah. I'm just adapting. Like why, why pick on me about that? <laughs> Man. Well, question for you who are you like how did you become this content czar this uh you know futuristic did you come back from the future to tell us about content like maybe take us back in time like little christoph days did you always were you always a writer and a journalist well i'm glad you asked since we just started (laughs) yeah right just kidding Um, (laughs) now now that i actually have learned something from you i do want to know more about you So I uh, grew up in Germany, uh, you know, I, I, there was a guy in the weight room, honestly, and he had, uh, he just had the greatest stories. And I was like, how do you have all these stories? I don't, uh, like, who are you, right? Like what you just did, who are you? I see you all right. the time. And uh, so he's a journalist, wrote for a newspaper back then and connected in the community, knew things, learned things, et cetera, et cetera. Of course it was print, right? This is like uh, early nineties, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wanted to be a journalist, and then I wanted to be a sports writer. I actually went to college uh, to get a journalism degree, and I minored in sports studies or whatever area of concentration, I guess, the official term, sure. and um, never worked a day in my life as a sports writer, right? Went right into um, po- police reporting, public safety reporting, investigative journalism, and then kind of moved from there, you know, one one thing at a time, and uh-huh. as you know, um, journalism is changing, even though content marketing went down well, it's very similar to journalism. There's way more content marketing jobs out there than journalism jobs, right? Right. And uh, I mean, even when you, Joe Polizzi just told me this, he said, you know, I think more brands will produce magazines soon. Not publishers, but brands, right? So to reach their audience and they need journalists for that. Um, <clears throat> so moved over into content marketing, uh, corporate communications, those kind of things, and then just kind of one thing, one thing led to another. Right. Uh, really, I still practice journalism to an extent. It's just different, right? If when you yeah. do it on a brand's behalf, you're not doing an expose. Uh, you don't use their quotes. I mean, I just I wrote an article the other day, and I had a comment in there. Well, don't do this. Like this seems creepy. And the client wrote back, well, if we can run that paragraph down a little bit, that would be fantastic because we do have clients who actually do that. <laughs> and it works well. And of course I did, right? I just right. changed it. Um, and a journalist wouldn't change that, right? They would just be like, whatever, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, stumbled into that industry like like happens to many of us. And, and today, practice content marketing. And there's so many... Uh, there is so many opportunities out there. I mean, I, even on the content performance culture um, po- book podcast, I think the number I throw around on there is there's 40,000 jobs posted on LinkedIn per month in the U.S. that say content. Now, some of them are not relevant necessarily, but there is, like I looked last night, and in the last 24 hours, there were 500 new content jobs posted. Jeez. That that had the easy applied, you know what I'm saying? Like not the ones where you have to go into like some antiquated system, but just the ones that make it easy. So right. in 24 hours, there were 500 jobs, content jobs posted, not journalism jobs, but content and content marketing and those kind of in that area. Yeah. Um, so the, the market definitely has, brands definitely have a need. 
Jeez. And, and they pay a lot better than journalism jobs too, I imagine. <laughs> T- typically, um, the one I, I joke, some brands, because, and I actually saw this the other day, somebody was looking for a content marketing unicorn, and that was literally the title. And I said, good luck trying to find somebody for that, because who wants that on their resume, honestly, as the title, right? Oh, as the title. Oh. Uh, that actually was the title. I don't get it, but whatever. And so, um, but I say, you know, everybody's looking for the unicorn, but then you want to pay them like they're a pony, right? Uh, so um, <laughs> love that. there is some good, <laughs> there's some good jobs out there, but people do have to remember they, they get what they pay for to an extent too. Looking for a unicorn, paying like a pony. That sounds like the start to a song, <laughs> like I, a song that karaoke bars would carry, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, Line dance. Right. If you were to go back in time to, you know, you just got out of school and you're still in that sort of journalism, you know, sure. what would you advise yourself? You've gone back in time. You're looking at yourself, you know, and this isn't like the six years ago. This is like way back in the day. What would you advise yourself? What would you tell yourself knowing what you know, having experienced what you've experienced? Yeah, so you can even see it behind me there, right? That's my Iowa Hawkeyes jersey still in there from the late 90s. Uh, yeah. One thing, I probably would have pushed football a little bit differently, a little bit longer, you know, maybe even try to go back to Europe, play for Europe for a little bit as a national. Um, probably let that chip sail a little too quickly or too uh, too willingly, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, but, you know, that's like that's even before you were done with college. Um, so, sports, so, so take so what's yeah. the deal? You were professional? Uh, no, football? so I played at Iowa, right? University okay. of Iowa, uh, yeah. Hawkeyes, and had a scholarship there. And my joke still today is that my scholarship under Hayden Fry, who just died last year, uh, paid me more than my first journalism job. So, um, <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't see all that money, right? Because right. it goes to books and goes to tuition and whatever. But when you put it together, it actually paid more than my first job and maybe even my second job. But, uh, you, you know, new coaches came in, Kirk Ferrin still, still talk to the guy, still see him once in a while, still at Iowa today, like the longest serving wow. division one coach in the country. And, uh, but I probably let that, um, you know, I probably stepped into the regular um, job search a little too quickly, right? As a, German citizen back then, I could have played in the NFL Europe as a national, so I didn't wow. have to compete with the American players. Didn't take that opportunity. Probably a little too late at that point, but um, but that's probably before what you were thinking about. But, oh, no, 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 um, no. Hold on a second. To clarify, too, I'm looking yeah. at it, so it, it looks like a football American football jersey, but you mentioned Germany. Oh, so, yeah. So th- we're talking American football, not like football kind of oh, thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, what did you yeah, play? Yeah, what position? Football. Uh, center. Uh, so when I so I started playing for the Düsseldorf Panthers, uh, 1990 roughly, and you know football, American football didn't come to Europe until 1978. So think about that. I mean, we wow. were like the first, like the the second or third wave of people, right, who actually right. played. And then I played. You know, the next decade came to the U.S. Uh, played at Iowa City West High School, uh, went to Iowa, and. Um, yeah, then you know, became a regular person. And center, I mean, that's a that's a tough. Are, are you you're hiding in the camera? Are you this like gigantic beast of a man that you're able to hold that center position when everyone's trying to rush the quarterback? 
that's the only way I can smash all these misconceptions yeah, to be a it. beast of a man. <laughs> beast of a man. No, Bring it a full circle. I, uh, I love it. Uh, uh, I mean, totally, you know, used to be much bigger, lost a lot of weight, gained some weight back. Sure. So kind of in the middle right now. Uh, you know, so not a not not a not as big as I used to be, but but certainly not a small small guy or you know short guy for sure. sure. Um, so yeah. So, so so you thinking thinking you would tell yourself, hey, maybe go check out the European NFL or the Canadian maybe, XFL yeah. or whatever it's called. <laughs> maybe push a little further. You know, of yeah. course, you kind of have to change how you work out and how you you know, take things on, I, you know, when, when there's a change in coaching staff and uh, different coaching, you know, probably let yourself go a little bit too much, honestly. Sure. Um, and then, you know, at some point you had to make a decision what you wanted to do. I probably would think about that uh, much easier said than done. Of course, doesn't mean I would have made the NFL Europe, right. Even as a German player. Uh, and then who knows, would I've come back to the U S would I've stayed there? What would have happened? Um, you know, but for sure. The other thing, more on a professional level. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, I'm all like learn, football mindset learn, right now. <laughs> <laughs> let's stay on football. XFL every weekend. Uh. Um, the um, All right. So um, on a professional level, I think the biggest thing is to learn a skill that mm -hmm. will always be useful for something. So for example, writing will always be useful. I mean, so even if everything gets outsourced to the machines, somebody still has to write the script for the machines, especially early on, right? So there's definitely a skill set, right? I mean, I saw a job opening chatbot writer, like it's even in the book. Wow. And you know, like now you write for the chatbot and you have to figure out what they need to know and what scripts they have to have. To have. Right. Um, so there's always a need for writing of some kind. Um, storytelling, same thing. Um, being engaging, same thing. You know, uh, learn, uh, knowing how to code, same thing. Like mm -hmm. whether you code for an app, which wasn't a thing when I was in college, right? Mm -hmm. um, there were no apps, there were no iPhone. There were like, I still had like a, it was like a, a thick phone that I had. And I remember when I was a reporter, I had a cell phone, but it didn't have any internet, right? So. I could make phone calls and sometimes I would call the office and one of the assistants would go into my email to check my email for wow. me, <laughs> you know, uh, or you have to go back to the office and check your email, but learning some of those things that are transferable, really, really helpful. If you're too specialized, maybe it works. Maybe you can, you know, make a, a good chunk of change, but what if something changes, right? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, and stuff changes all the time, automation, AI, all these different things. Um, podcasting. I mean, think about it. We're just talking on here, right? How is a machine going to do a podcast? I mean, there's no personality. Maybe there will be at some point, but um, you know, that's it's really right. hard to lose. If, if you have a good podcast, if you can help companies do it, really, really hard to lose that job in the next ten years. You know, right? Yeah, and that's definitely the thing that's got my attention too. The the podcasting is intriguing and if it's fun you can do it all day every day just not too many right you gotta right. gotta keep your energy <laughs> well the, what case is referring to i made a comment on linkedin or in twitter how how tiring it is to be on air right on, and of course people on tv they know what i'm talking about um it is tiring to constantly be on right because yeah. everything you say is recorded it's on the show um and you know so 
So you can do a few, but, but it is also tiring and you have to think about um, how do you say what you say. And, uh, and I'll tell you one thing, the first time you say something you didn't want to say and you, and you didn't catch it, uh, <laughs> it's going to take you a couple of weeks to, to jump back in. <laughs> right. For sure. And I was making fun of you on LinkedIn too. I was like, got to get your energy for tomorrow. But, but to be, to be I fair, went to bed. yeah, no, to be fair, it's, it's a lot harder to be the interviewed, the, the person answering a lot of the questions. I mean, I get to ask you questions yeah. and learn from you. You're, and you, you're on point. You're, it's your brand. Like you got to just deliver all this stuff where I get to just ask dumb questions and you get to sort me out. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that dumb. So far, so good. So far, so good. Well, I appreciate that. So here's another one for you. Where can people connect with you? I've connected with you. Where, where, where do you want people to go? LinkedIn, Twitter, all that? Yeah. yeah. Authenticstorytelling.net. Check that out. LinkedIn, of course. Christoph Trapp. Uh, search on their Twitter. C-Trapp. C-T-R-A-P-P-E. Uh, I think those are the main ones. Uh, you know, and just Google the name if you like. Uh, there's the podcast. Um, so that's another thing. You know, the podcast now show up when people search for my name. So oh, does nice. Twitter, so does everything, right? So um, so all these different areas help rank, uh, or not rank, I mean, I'll rank for my name, I would hope, but um, they, they help show who you are when people search for you. That makes sense. It, yeah, I, I love seeing it, it show up on search now. And we'll put all those links in the show mm -hmm. notes for you as well, so people can find you. What is the name of the podcast? And also, what is the name of that book podcast? Is it the same one? No, so it's a business storytelling podcast. Currently, it publishes uh, Monday through Friday for the most part. Sometimes a day ahead, sometimes a day after, or whatever. Five uh -huh. times a week, um, usually with a guest. Sometimes I, you know, I talk about things um, that I want to talk about just by myself. Uh, that's the business storytelling podcast available on all the different channels: Apple, Google, blah blah blah, yeah. Spotify, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the other one is it's, it is uh, the Content Performance Culture book. Uh, and same title, the, the podcast has the same title, and that's also available um, on all the different channels that you can, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Did you use Anchor um, for that second one? I did. So wow. the way you create, uh, I think, I don't know if you can do the same multiple podcasts in the same account. Maybe you can. I create another account with uh, like another email or something. And uh, yeah, super easy, the distribution. Was it a free account or is it just like a small fee? for that yeah it's uh, anchor is totally free the only wow. uh, the, i think the something that that people don't like is that anchor has the right to use your content um <laughs> which whatever like i mean i want people to use my content right right it's a marketing tool so go ahead if you want to use my right. podcast to promote anchor in uh bangkok be my guest i'm happy right. to do it um and i think that's the only thing there's i haven't seen any upsells for anything Okay. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think Spotify owns, owns them or they do. Anchor owns Spotify or something like that. Spotify so owns it all. Yeah. They're taking so, over. So see, so maybe that's part of the model, right? That that's how they're building it out. For and sure. It currently might not be a moneymaker. I, I, I don't know. Huh. Huh. Fascinating. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out. I, not only the, uh, the, I mean, five times a week. That's fantastic. That's a lot of work. Yeah. I, I, I'm a ways out too because so um, I invite guests as I see them say things on social, right? Somebody said something about Me don't too. be boring. I'm like, oh, we should we should do a show on that. 
uh, okay, sounds good. Somebody talks about uh, product marketing. I was like, oh, I haven't talked about that. Somebody talks about pricing. I'm like, oh, we should talk about that. Yeah. Can I invite them? There's also these podcast guest websites. And like they, so the people who want to be guests, they pay the website to be in the database. And so I signed up for one of them. And one is kind of annoying. They are very pushy. I didn't sign up. And then the other one I signed up for, but I didn't do anything on there. So one time they emailed and they said, hey, do you want to be featured as, you know, you're looking for guests? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And so I sent them a little thing. They published it. And I don't know, there's like 50 pitches, you know, people who want to be on the show. Wow. Some, they didn't have a, some they didn't have a very good pitch, honestly. Um, but some, I was like, oh, that's close enough. Like one is like marketing for small businesses. I'm like, oh, I haven't done that. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's, it's kind of like a lot of people could pitch that. A lot of people, I could probably talk about that by myself. Sure. But it's nice to have um, somebody on there. So I, I set them all up. My rule indeed is, um, so I use Calendly where, for people to pick a time, yep. which means that, that they pick a time that sometimes actually doesn't work because I already have like four podcasts that day. So the day before I get to the next day, obviously, um, you know, sometimes I move people. And since I'm the journalist, so to speak, uh, I, I think that's an accepted model. You know, right. like the journalist kind of controls the schedule. Um, I had some a journalist call me the other day. They wanted to talk at eight thirty. I'm like, yes, I'm available. Right? That's right. that's those are the rules. So I'm booked like daily podcast probably wow. through the middle of March, which is about a month out here. You know. So, wow. Yeah. yeah, you really scaled that up. That's fantastic. I love that. I'm done <laughs> yeah. to check it out. I can't wait to hear that. And you know, thank you so much for coming on here. I know you're doing your own podcast and all these things you're booked out. So it was, it was so amazing to capture you here for a little bit, chat football, chat content and hear about the book. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Always my pleasure to chat and smash and smash. You know, it's like football, you football smashed that myth. Um, (laughs) And for, for everyone out there listening, (laughs) if you learn something and I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes, then Share this with someone else. Be a thought leader to one person, two people, three people, a thousand people. Hey, go for it. And get this information in other people's hands. Check out Christoph's book. Get that podcast. Get the other podcast. And uh, let me know what you think. I'll be on there too. Um, And again, Christoph, thank you so much for being on here. You bet. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For everyone listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in a chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you. And that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you on the next one.